Why don't you stand and give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand? He's the only one worthy of our praise. Do you love him this morning? I love him too. While you're standing, I'm just going to put some words in your mouth. I like to have interactive preaching, if you don't mind. Would you find two or three people, look them dead in the eye, and say, Today is your day for a miracle. Now say it like you mean it. Come on, stir up the atmosphere with faith. today. Now say, today is my day. My day for a miracle. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Don for welcoming me. You know, this is the first day that we've ever met, and I always have a special appreciation for pastors that receive me without knowing me. <laughs> but I know he knows Pastor Charlie and Pastor Tammy well, and um, that says a whole lot, that kind of a relationship where at Pastor Charlie's word you receive. And I thank you for that. <clears throat> We've been spending some good time down in Albany. And uh, I've been sharing what God's been putting on my heart recently. I'm not going to preach the same message, but it's similar. Uh, I, I had an opportunity this year, I've actually been to nearly 50 nations. I think I'm right at about 49, 50 nations of the world. But this year was an unusual year. God took me from uh, Israel to Costa Rica to the south side of Chicago and four days later to Seoul, Korea in just a span of about three months. And, um, I, you know, it, it was an unusual, was an unusual booking, but... I really believe my reason, in addition to ministering to people, was for me to get kind of a, a global understanding of what is happening in the spiritual realm. Because, folks, I have to tell you, we have a sense that things are getting bad, but I don't think we know how close we are to losing it all. Every place I went... Um, the, the leaders, the spiritual leaders talked about a fight going on in the government, a fight going on between uh, socialism and also um, democracy. But when you understand the truth of it, the fight, honestly, you, we know it, it's the Antichrist spirit against the spirit of righteousness. And... Um, there are governments, including our own, as we know, that literally hang in the balance. That if the, the church of Jesus Christ is not praying, if the church of Jesus Christ is only focused on, Lord, give me enough strength to make it through the week, there are strong possibilities that we could lose everything that we hold dear in this country. But I believe that God is stimulating his people to prayer. I believe God is stimulating his people to the urgency of the hour. Do you believe that? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and I'll get there in just a minute. You can just keep your Bibles open. And while you're turning, I just want to briefly talk about a few products that I have. I hardly have anything left uh, 
victory uh, consumed everything. And I actually didn't bring too much, but I wanted to talk to you about, um, I brought some of my dad's products. I actually have a CD back there called uh, A Daughter's Favorites. I have a power book on CD where dad is reading power scriptures. And um, I have a book that's not there, (laughs) but it's one that I highly recommend. It's called The Anointing for Miracles. Sid Roth actually encouraged me to write it. Um, He said, Donna, we want to hear those miracle stories, but we want you to talk about what you observed in your dad's life that opened him up to the supernatural. Because people don't just want to hear miracle stories. They want to see miracles in their own life. And so I wrote that with that intention, and I'm out of those books. But Sister Tammy is going to be helping me today. And if you uh, are able to pay the $15 today, she'll write down your name and address, and we'll send that book to you off this week. So I encourage you to get that. And then sometimes the Lord will speak to people. I know this comes by the Lord dealing with people's heart. We do have a ministry that is global. I'm next year. Uh, by God's grace, we're going to be starting our own women's meetings next year. I have a crusade that's scheduled in Costa Rica. I have a tent meeting that's going on in the south side of Chicago. I was just told that I'm invited to come to India and uh, Sri Lanka next year. And I have a crusade planned in Nigeria. And the only way that I can do that is through our partners. And so I, if you feel led of God to be a partner, that's what these packets are. There's a... Um, a Power Partner membership card. There's an oil bottle. There is um, a CD in there, and there's a power pin, and that is um, your invitation to be part of our ministry on a regular basis. We ask for twenty-five dollars a month if you're going to sign up. We ask you to do your initial two months, the $50, and Tammy will get you one of those packets. But everybody say after the service. service. I hate doing that, but I have to do it (laughs) because I like to get products out to you that would encourage your faith. What I really love to do is share what God has placed on my heart. Today I want to talk about God's appointed times. God's appointed times. I believe both for individuals, you, me, everyone who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that there are times that God has set aside for our miracle, for the thing that we're believing for. I was sharing with Pastor Charlie and Tammy. I've had a relative I've been praying for for over 20 years. And finally, you never get to that place that you kind of give up. And I said, God, I don't know how to pray anymore. And the Lord brought something into my life. It was an understanding of what's happening in the Islamic world where people are having these Jesus dreams. You've heard of this, I'm sure. And um, I went to a seminar in my hometown. And when I heard that, I said, Lord, speak to him in his dreams. And within a month's time, I began to see a complete change, a radical change in this man. And um, one of the key ways that God dealt with, with him was through a vivid dream. 
So listen, there are appointed times for the answers to your prayer. It's okay to get frustrated, but don't stop praying. Keep praying, right? There's an appointed time, I believe, for revival, for God's people. And I believe we're living in that. There is an appointed time for fulfillment of purpose. But listen, we have to be real with ourselves to know what we're dealing with. We can say in general terms that things are bad. But I was reading just the other day, in New York alone, there are so many abortions that are being performed in New York that you, if you put an aborted baby in every one of the seats of Yankee Stadium, you could fill it up twice every year with the amount of aborted babies in New York alone. That's not counting the rest of the world or the rest of the country. 15 million children between ages of 3 and 17 in our nation each year are diagnosed with mental or behavioral disorders. And of course, many of them are ending their lives in suicide, which has now become the third leading cause of death between adolescents between the ages of 15 to 24, and they're saying that, that girls are more likely to commit suicide than young men. And all of them are related to mental health issues, drug issues. You see, we understand, those of us who know the Lord and those of us who have a spiritual understanding, they may call it mental health issues. But really what you're dealing with is demon spirits. Demon spirits that come through the lyrics of songs, that come through the open eye gates, everything the kids are watching, uh, through the media, the movies that they're watching, the fear-mongering, the sexuality. There are so many things that our kids are bombarded with. And then add to that the brokenness in the families. The enemy has strategically targeted marriages to split them up. Why? Because it wrecks the next generation. It wrecks their psyche. You want to hear about mental disorders? It starts with the family. And so the enemy has been more strategic about killing, stealing, and destroying than the church has been strategic about preaching life and Jesus Christ's resurrection. But I believe we've come to a place in our society that we can no longer fold our arms and say, isn't it sad what's happening to our world? It sure isn't the world we used to live in. Well, let's take some personal inventory and say, why isn't it? What, what, when did it start happening? When we went to sleep, when we allowed the government to start taking the Bible out of schools and to prohibit prayer, you can trace it back to the 1960s when we got more concerned about how much money we were making than how much baptism in the Holy Ghost we're getting. When we made an exchange for the things of the world and, and took away the things of the Spirit, That's when our society began to change. But I believe God in his love, God in his infinite mercy, one more time will shake this nation with revival. Does anybody dare believe that with me? 
We, how do you know that God is moving? You know, God's always calling. God's always speaking. But there is a, there is a, a term for the word time. We understand it to be the word kairos. And it's the time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. It's an opportune and decisive moment when God can work. That can be individually and it can be in a society. How many of you believe we're ripe for revival? We're ripe for, what, what is revival? Bringing back to life. And you can actually say, everything that we've known spiritually, historically, are dead. People aren't praying anymore. People aren't praying in the Holy Ghost like they used to. In fact, many classic Pentecostal churches will relegate the moving of the Holy Spirit to the back room. They get embarrassed with the movement of the Holy Spirit. They think that it's messy. Tammy and I were talking today. Try to find a church that operates in deliverance when people who walk into churches have been dealing with demonic forces their entire life. They don't need a class. They need to be set free. But it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit, folks. We're ripe to see God bring back to life those things that were dead. As you read through the New Testament, you can look all through Luke chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. We're going to get to Acts 8 in a minute. <laughs> but I love Luke chapter 1 because, uh, you know, in, they also had a dead society. People didn't understand a relationship with God. They, they were living in compromise. But it was about that time that heaven began to interact with earth. And we have this understanding of Zechariah, the high priest, getting a visit from an angel, talking about a son that's going to be born supernaturally to Elizabeth. In the same chapter, the same angel visits Mary, a virgin, and says she's going to bring forth a son. And she's going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. When that son began to grow up, when he went into the streams of the Jordan to be water baptized, the heavens opened and the dove descended. And we heard the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So when you begin to see heaven interacting with mankind, that means God is on the move. Something is about to happen. When you hear in the Middle East... That thing that which we're afraid of, that, that terrorist movement called Islam. When you hear that imams are getting saved. When you hear that even former ISIS members are coming to know Jesus and they're meeting him in their dreams. Then you know heaven is interacting with earth. Hallelujah. And we are ripe for revival. We gotta, we gotta connect with it somehow. In Acts chapter one, there was another movement. Jesus told his disciples who had seen the miracles. They had seen all the power of God. He said, wait, I'm getting ready to turn this thing over to you. But don't you dare go out of my name until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go to the upper room. You're gonna have to wait for the promise of the Father. For you shall receive what power when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And I believe that this is the prerequisite of any revival. You know, we can talk about revival. We can have mass meetings. But listen, folks, if we're going to see a revival that resurrects the dead things of God to life, it's going to have to be birthed by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to be a people who hunger and thirst after him. All right, so now I'm in Acts chapter 8. The Holy Spirit had been poured out on God's people. The church was growing. And guess who got mad? The devil. And he did everything he could to stop the gospel. And that's the first thing you need to write down, folks. If you start praying for a revival, you need to understand you're going head-to-head with the devil. He doesn't want revival. He's going to do everything he can to shut your mouth. But poor devil, because God is the greater one. Beginning with verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. That's Stephen, by the way. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city." you think about the language of scripture, you can think about how paradoxical it is that great joy is coming to a city when the church is under the hottest persecution that you can imagine. So while the church is facing great opposition, the gospel is being spread and revival is taking place in a place called Samaria, the most unlikely place. And that's the first thing that I want to talk about today, that when it's God's appointed time, when God decides to move on the earth, we don't have to worry about the devil's roaring because there's no amount of difficulty that can daunt the move of God when God says, now is the time. And so you and I have to understand that as much as we hate to talk about the devil and his opposition and how he wants to shut down the church, the devil is more afraid of you and your prayer life and the Holy Ghost on the inside of you than you could ever be of him. Don't let the devil intimidate you. In fact, every time you get up in the morning, you should say, look out, devil, here I come. (laughs) I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you with the Holy Ghost, right? It's not by, not by my 
strength. It's not by my flesh. It's not by my power, but it's by the Spirit of God that everything is accomplished. And we have to learn. Listen, I I, I talked to so many intercessors, so many people who operate in the prophetic, and a lot of them are telling me, Donna, in this day and age, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost more than I ever have in the past. It seems like the majority of my prayer life is the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Listen, folks, the enemy is perched on on every outpost. He's looking to see how he can take us out. There are traps being set for the righteous ones. There are things, laws that are being formed on our books right now to take away tax-exempt status from the church and to make it uh, against the law, to speak out against sin. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It doesn't matter how the devil rages. I can get up in the power of the Holy Ghost each day and begin to pray in the name of Jesus and come against the works of the enemy and tell him he can't squat in my town any longer. I can begin to call revival into a place just because we understand it's God's appointed time. We have to expect that the enemy is going to come against the church of Jesus Christ. I was invited into a town called Pavas, Costa Rica, years ago, about four years now. And when I first met a group of pastors, there was about 12 of them, they said, Sister Donna, would you consider coming to our town with a crusade? I said, where is Pavas? They said, it's a suburb of San Jose, Costa Rica. And it was built originally to be a business center of Costa Rica. They actually built a brand new airport to go in there. But as they built that airport, they didn't count for the fact that there'd be many refugees that came into that airport from all over South America. And with the refugees came drug issues and gang issues and more poverty. And so into Pavas came the drugs, into Pavas came the gangs, and they said, even though we have huge churches on our streets, we're afraid to come out because they're killing our kids every day in the streets, and we know this place needs a revival. Will you come? They said, we've asked 10 other uh, ministries in, in the United States to come, and none of them would come. And you're our last hope. I said, I don't mind being your last pick. I'll come. And um, I went down about six months later. The 12 pastors had grown to 100 pastors. And we began to minister. When we got there in February of 2014, I believe it is. That's almost six years now. (laughs) Wow. It seems like yesterday. When we got there, my crusade manager said, are you sure you want to go to that open field? I said, yes, it's the perfect place. He said, yeah, but, you know, they've got all kinds of violence around around there. I said, well, why do you think God sent us? And when we went in that first day, since this is how the enemy works, folks, that first day I had a team of people from the United States with me, That first day, the place where you enter the field, there was an assassination right on that entrance the day that we got there. 
When that happened, the security guards that we had hired backed out of the deal. They said, we're not coming down there. It's too, too violent down there. So we didn't have paid security, but God raised up a motorcycle church. <laughs> and they, they became our security. They were like little heaven's angels sitting all around the perimeter. And I said, um, okay, team, we're going to go to Walmart. I want each of you to buy a bottle of oil. We're going to anoint this field. And we walked and we anointed every blade of grass. We anointed the perimeter. We anointed the platform. And while we were doing that, I happened to tell my operations manager at the time, I said, you know, when we went to Mexico City with Dad, the pastors rented a helicopter and they went up in the helicopter and poured gallons of oil all over Mexico City and we had a fantastic meeting. And I just happened to mention it to him. And the next day he comes to me and he says, Donna, did you tell Jaime about about the helicopter? I said, no, just you. He said, well, Jaime comes to me and said, there's a helicopter guy that wants to give us a free helicopter. He said, you need it. And I said, okay, then we need it. (laughs) And the, the ministers, we went up in that helicopter and we dumped oil all over Pavos. It's not something I want to do again. I'll tell you the truth. But we did it in Jesus' name. And that first night, hallelujah, I feel the anointing while I'm saying it. That first night of that crusade, the king pin of the gang leaders, the number one gang, came and gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the next night, he brought 10 more gang members. The next night, they brought more gang members. After we left, there were 60 additional gang members that gave their hearts to the Lord. Revival hit the streets of Pavos. Listen, we had to go knowing we had the voice of the Lord speaking to us, knowing that it was a Kairos moment, not looking at the danger, but looking at the possibilities. Revival can come to our towns here in the United States if we'll just get out of the four walls of the church and get on the streets and say, I'm tired of the devil claiming our streets. It's time that the Holy Ghost begins to give us an unction that everywhere the soles of our feet tread upon, God has already given to us. Is anybody hearing me today? I might have to preach to the screen. I might get a better reaction. (laughs) Hallelujah. Secondly, God's appointed time carries with it a sense of expectation and fulfillment. I love this story about Philip because the Bible expressly tells us that the apostles, Peter and John, they were hanging around Jerusalem. Everybody else was being dispersed. But Philip, being a deacon, taking care of the needs of the people, He felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to go where Peter and John had not gone. Isn't that amazing? I love that passage because it's a fulfillment of Jesus' teaching that these signs shall follow the evangelist. Is that what he said? These signs shall follow the pastor? Oh, um, these signs shall follow the apostle. Is that what he said? Hmm. These signs shall follow... Um, the prophet. Is that what he said? 
These signs shall follow them that believe. believe. So whether you are in the fivefold ministry full time, or whether you're a deacon, or you're just a young person filled with the Holy Ghost, if God says go, go in the name of Jesus. And look and see what God will do. And, and you see that Philip went down there with expectation. And was he disappointed? Was he disappointed? Was he disappointed? No. no. It says he went and he preached Christ to them and multitudes. How would you guys got, like to go down to the city, go down to the Bronx, go down to Brooklyn, stand on the street corner, begin to preach Christ, and multitudes begin to gather? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to say? Why were they gathering? Because... Philip was laying hands on the sick and casting out devils. Honey, you start casting out devils on the street, you'll draw a crowd too, I promise you. I hope I'm not offending anybody. You start casting out devils on the street or in the church, <laughs> you'll draw a crowd. Start healing the sick, you'll draw a crowd. Hallelujah. But... um You know, Philip went into this unusual, it was an unusual territory. It was a a territory that Philip could have doubted that God could ever do a work. But he wasn't going based on his own personal strategy. He was going based on the unction of the Holy Spirit. This is what we need to understand, folks. And this is how I always know. I don't don't know if I ever shared that with you, Tammy. Because I get invited to go a lot of places. But the, the way that I can tell that it's the Holy Spirit working, I immediately get an excitement in my spirit. It just wells up on the inside because I can immediately see what God wants to do there and what my role in that would be. And that's what we need to understand, folks. We're not just going helter-skelter thinking it's a bright idea. But if we're praying in the Holy Spirit... And we're saying, God, how are you going to use me? And who are you going to lead me to? It could be a crowd one day, or it could be like the Ethiopian that Philip met. And you know, God just kind of whisked him away and put him right there at the carriage of the Ethiopian. Doesn't have to be a crowd. But what we're talking about is the movement of the Holy Spirit that gives excitement for what God wants to do in the life of an individual. Whether it's, you know, let's put this, break this down to everyday life. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church realized the power of God on the inside of them? And while you're praying for sister so-and-so in the hospital, God says, go. God says, lay hands on the sick. I love to tell the story of my dad. He was um, away from his church. This is when he was pastoring in the Pittsburgh area. And he had a little girl in his church named Sharon. And Sharon's papa wasn't saved, and dad was always working on him, but he never came inside the the walls of the church. He always just dropped Sharon off for Sunday school. But it just so happened that one day while dad was visiting his, 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 my mother's family in Philadelphia, that he got a call, Brother Shambach, can you come quickly? Sharon's in the hospital. And uh, he said, what happened? And he said she was playing in the backyard, and a rusty nail went right into her eye, and it shattered. And they want to take the eyeball out.
But before they do, Sharon asked if Brother Shambach would come and pray for her. And she was about seven years of age. And my dad said, tell her I'll be on the next plane. And when he got to the uh, hospital, he said he wanted to quickly go in to see Sharon, but he stopped in the waiting room, and there was Sharon's papa. And he, he met him there, and he says, hey, Sharon, wants you to go pray? He said, I'm, I'm going to go pray in a minute, but this is where the real issue is. You're the protection for the home. You're the covering for the home. And you, it's time now. Today is your appointed time. Hallelujah. To get on your knees before Christ. That man was so broken. He was so ready. He dropped to his knees right there in that hospital waiting room and repented of his sins and gave his heart to the Lord. Dad walked into the uh, room where Sharon was. Her, her eye was patched. And the doctor was pressuring him. He says, come on, get this over with so we can do what we need to do. We got to do this quickly. My dad knew those doctors very well. He said, hey, how do you know that when I'm done, you're going to still need to do that? Let me do my thing, and then you can do your thing. And so he said, hi, Sharon, how are you? And she said, oh, Brother Shambach, I knew you would come. Will you pray for my eye? And he said he didn't pray a long prayer because time was of the essence. And he put his hand over that patch. And he said, Father, in the name of Jesus... Give Sharon a brand new eye. And then he called the doctor in and he said, okay, get out of the way. We're going to take her in. He says, hold it, hold it, hold it. Before you go into surgery, I want you to look at that eye again. He says, what are you talking about? I've been looking at it all week. He said, no, I want you to look at it now. And he watched that man take the bandages off that gauze where he could kind of open it up slightly. And he opened it up and it put it down again. He says, oh, my God. He says, what are you talking about? He said, I don't believe it. He says, that's why I, call, I was called, because you don't believe it. <laughs> and he lifted it again, and there looking at him was a brand new eye, no shattering, completely functionally normal. Why? Because of the Holy Ghost. Because of expectation, because of the expectation of a little girl, because of the unction of my dad that says, get on a plane, because of the unction of the Holy Ghost that said, bring that daddy to the Lord. This is the book of Acts type of miracles that can happen today because Jesus didn't die in the 50s. He's still alive today doing the same things he did yesteryear. But it's going to take a Holy Ghost-filled church. Somebody say expectation. We, you know, I, I've been around so many Christians, it's kind of sad. And the conversation, I mean, even in my own family. Oh, yep, you know, sister so-and-so just died of cancer. Yeah, they were young. Oh, yep. Oh, they're in so much pain. Yeah, they just got a medication. Yep, no medication's going to help that one. Oh, yep, so-and-so, she's young, and she's in the hospital, and she's in pain constantly all the time. I'm thinking, what in the world? Why do I want to sit around and talk about all the worst-case scenarios? 
The only thing that does is talk me out of faith. But how about we pick the Word of God up once in a while? How about we read things like Acts chapter 8? How about we look at the movement of the Holy Ghost? And if God's people can get a clue and know that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world, that we'll stop talking about what the doctor says and we'll start talking about what Jesus says. Hallelujah. How many of you know he's alive today? He's alive. And he wants to resurrect his church. This, is a, this next point I'm going to make is the most important one, I believe, of all. And that is, God's appointed times are about God's purposes being fulfilled for a specific generation. And folks... If we ever needed it in our generation, it's now. But we got to get it clear. This is not time for building superstar ministries. I think one of the distractions, one of the greatest distractions from really leaning into God and getting the mind of God and praying in the Holy Spirit is Instagram and Facebook. Because all we do is flip through and see who the next superstar is. Who's the next up and coming? Who's the next soundbite guy? Who's the next one I can quote and put up some uh, beautiful, nice saying that doesn't change anybody's life? Look, folks, I'm thankful for ministries that can encourage us, but it's time. Listen, we don't need a soundbite religion. We need the power of the Holy Ghost that comes from spending time with Jesus. And whether the person filled with the Holy Ghost is 14, 44, or 104, they can still get the same book of Acts results if they're flowing in the Holy Ghost. God has a purpose for this generation. And it's time we begin to seek God for it. Habakkuk 2.2.3, you know it. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that... He may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. Not it might speak. It may speak. I hope it speaks. But the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. That word wait is like waiting on Christmas Eve. It's the same understanding. You know how kids wait for Santa Claus to come? They can't sleep. They're on their tippy toes. They're listening for the sound of the reindeer. It's waiting with expectation. And that's what that word means. Wait for it. Expect it to come. Look for it. Like Simeon did, who was full of the Holy Ghost. Like Anna did, who prayed and fasted every day of her life. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. This is what I'm saying to you folks, that if God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on my sons and my daughters, on my maidservants and on my men servants, if he said it, write it down, speak it out, begin to expect it, it is the appointed time, this This is the generation that God wants to resurrect, but we have to call it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Is anybody hearing me? Does anybody believe me? Hallelujah. See, we got to get past this, I want to build my ministry thing. Because there are those that are going to preach to 10,000, and then there are going to be those that preach to 10. And we should be able to do it no matter what size the audience if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're scattered, like in the book of Acts, that means nobody knows who you are. How'd you like to have Jeremiah's calling? You're going to preach and nobody's going to listen. Help me, Jesus. I've felt that way sometimes. You see, there are times that we feel like we're the only one. We're not. There are times we feel like we don't have any significance because we don't have a crowd of 100,000. We're not. If God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit, did he think we were insignificant? If he said these signs will follow those who believe, did he think you were insignificant? No. No. God doesn't waste his time. God doesn't waste his investment. He's looking for a return on it. God's purposes are in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So listen, folks, all that Scripture tells me is that revival is ahead of me. Because until Jesus comes, I can expect an outpouring. I can expect a worldwide revival. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of it. Let me just read some verses to you. You can meditate on them. Amos 3, 7. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Isaiah 42, 8, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. How many of you think New York State's a wilderness right now? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Revelation 21, 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Hallelujah. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. God always has a man. God always has a representative. Even if it's so bad, God wants to destroy an entire generation. Ask Noah. The Bible says he was righteous and he walked with God. He lived holy and he had a prayer life. And because of it, he was saved in his entire family. And though God wiped out a generation, Noah's family repopulated the earth. God wants to do something with you. He wants to make an investment in you, but he looks for a willing heart, a heart that is willing to live holy before him and a heart that's willing to be in constant communication through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Remember I told you about the Pavas crusade and the gang member getting saved that first night? See, God knows what he's doing. Also on that first night, there was another lady that got saved. Nobody knew her name. We found out on the New Converts card, her name was Augustina, and she was 84 years of age. And the churches were really great at calling all the new converts the next day. And they called Augustina's house, and she didn't come to the phone. And they asked her, can we speak to Augustina? When will she be in? And they said, oh, we're sorry. But last night she was at the crusade. But this morning she didn't wake up. She died in her sleep. And all of us went into a state of kind of shock and thinking, what if we had never come to Pavas? What if we had not obeyed the voice of God? What if we had not preached a salvation message? What if we had not given an altar call? Where would Augustina be in eternity right now? You see, listen, it's not just about us feeling excited about what we're doing, but there are men and women in our society who, if we don't reach them, they're on their way to hell. You might have people in your own family that you could say right now, if they don't repent of their sins, they're on their way to hell. And you're praying for somebody to reach them. But do you know there's some grandmother praying that you'll reach their kid? There's some aunt or uncle that's praying that you'll reach their nephew. Every one of us has a responsibility before God. And the enemy lies to us and tells us we can't do it because we got too many things going on. We're living under too much pressure. God knows I'm just weak. He knows I'm, I'm not uh, bold enough to preach. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. I've watched God pick people up. Hope Miss Tammy doesn't mind me saying this, but when I met her some 30 years of age, I, she was standing in a gray coat with long hair and her hands in her pocket, looking like, who am I and what am I supposed to do? And now I come to Albany and she's preaching the gospel. She's pastor in a church and I'm look, saying, look at God. Listen, all of us started out feeling kind of... Um, afraid to speak. I, if you told me I was called to preach when I first started out, I would have told you, oh no, that's my dad's job. But God has a way of pulling things out of us. God has a way of stretching us beyond our limits. God has a way when we get the Holy Ghost on the inside of us that gives us ideas of how to get people saved. But not one person can do it all by themselves. Do you know what I heard? I heard that there are people in Virginia Beach that never heard of Pat Robertson. He's known in... South America, he's known in New Zealand, he's known in Japan, he's known everywhere. But there are people in Virginia Beach that don't know him. It's not about how famous you are. It's about how obedient you are, folks. I'm going to say amen. Amen, Donna. That's a true word. That's a true word. There are people in, how do you pronounce this town? Oneonta. There are people I'm never going to meet, but they're on their way to hell. Who's going to meet them on the street? Who's going to love them to Jesus? Who's going to pray them through? Who's going to put feet in their neighborhood and begin to call that neighborhood to God? 
Who's going to do it? It's going to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit that have a revelation that it's God's appointed time for revival, that have an understanding that even though they might be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, that God can use them to perform mighty signs and wonders if they dare to believe. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a few minutes. Just a few minutes. We're not going to take too long here. Let me just pray for a few minutes. Father, I thank you for everyone gathered here in divine presence. I thank you for this beautiful church that loves ministry, loves your word, loves your spirit, God. I thank you, Father, that you formed us into a body that is excited about reaching the whole world. And I bless you for that, Lord. But, Father, I pray that today would be kind of a new beginning for each one in this congregation, Lord, that you would begin to mantle us with a a spirit of revival, Lord, a spirit of prayer. Revive our prayer lives. Revive our intercession, God. Revive our hunger for you. Lord, we want to see our town turn upside down. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we we would admit to you that we're clueless on how that's going to happen, Father. But we yield to the moving of your Spirit in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're bold enough to say, Donna, I want that mantle. I want God to mantle me in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to spend more time in prayer. I just need that the Holy Ghost to draw me into that prayer closet. Would you pray for me? I'd like you to take a step out of your seat now and come forward, and I would like to pray for you. Just come stand shoulder to shoulder. Don't wait. Come now. Yeah, shoulder to shoulder, maybe from wall to wall. Make room for everybody. That's good. I'm going to come and lay hands on you. Once everybody's gotten in line, wall to wall on either side. That's good. Wonderful. If we have to make a second row, we make a second row, but leave me a place to to walk behind so I can get to everybody. Yeah, just go wall to wall in the second line as well. This is awesome. This is beautiful. You're exciting me, folks. This is awesome. I think revival might be coming to Oneonta and to New York. Do you believe it? Just lift your hands and begin to thank him for it then. See, don't be afraid to vocalize your faith first, folks. There's power in vocalizing. So just begin to speak out, Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're moving on our hearts right now, Lord. I thank you, Father. If you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, it's a good time to do it. Father, I thank you that as I lay hands on each one, that you're stirring up the gifts. You're stirring up the gifts. If if I lay hands on you, would you mind just taking a seat so I can get to the next person behind you? But just when you go to the seat, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just receive this mantle. 
this mantling of revival, Holy Ghost mantle. Lord, we receive it today as you're imparting. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Ghost will begin to fall in the prayer closet, Lord. Father, stir up every gift. Baptize in the Holy Spirit, God. Father, I pray that you'd lift the heavy burden and mantle us, Lord, with the authority and power of the Holy Ghost, God. I ask you to stir up revival. Stir up revival, God. Rivers of living water flowing out of us. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, let this be a time when Anianta sees the power of God. I thank you for answered prayers. Lord, I thank you for those that have been on the streets away from God, the backslidden of heart that we've been praying for. I thank you that this is the day of their returning, God. We fill us with expectation. Fill us with expectation, God. Let us see them coming. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. That anointing that abides within us, Lord, you're stirring it up. That even as we minister, God, miracles will begin to take place. Lord, don't let us think less of ourselves than we ought to or more of ourselves than we ought to. But let us recognize that the greater one is on the inside of us. The greater one is healing us. The greater one is resurrecting us. Come on, keep praying in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, an impartation of revival. God, stir us up. Stir us up. And even when our body feels tired, Lord, when we feel sluggish, I ask you, God, for resurrection life. Resurrection life every day. Every day, Lord, I thank you that we're called of the Lord to your purposes, God. And Father, even though we've questioned and wondered how you can use us, I thank you that this is the day we understand we're called and we're set apart for your services, Lord, your purposes, God. And we will be filled with the Holy Ghost. We will be filled. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for an impartation of life. I thank you for an impartation of revival, an imputation, Lord God, of power in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I hear you praying, congregation? Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. The impartation of the spirit of revival. Lord, we will not grow weary in well-doing. But, Father, there will be a Holy Ghost empowerment from heaven that, Lord, even in our prayer closets, God, what we have known, there'll be increase. There'll be increase. There'll be increase, Lord. 
Father, I thank you that it's not of the flesh, God. It's not a new idea. But, Father, it's another encounter, an encounter and a revelation of who you are. God, you're raising up children. You're raising up young ones who will walk in your way, who will speak your word who will live holy in an unholy generation, God. I thank you that you're setting us apart as prayer warriors, Father. Come on, pray out loud, folks. Don't let me pray by myself. God, for those that hang in the balance, for those that are lost and without you, O oh God, we ask you to direct our steps to them. In the name of Jesus, let this be the time of turning, God. Oh, yes, we receive it, God. We receive it, God. We receive it, God. Oh, that impartation of the Holy Ghost and power. Lord, resurrection life. Coming into our spirit, man. Coming into our body, Lord. Every part of us receiving that touch of the Holy Ghost. New strength in our muscles. New strength in our joints. In Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost, folks. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Holy one, holy one. Lord, those that have been disobedient, and it looks impossible, God. I thank you for a word that says don't give up, but keep standing in the gap. They're coming back from the land of the enemy. They're coming back to the land of their inheritance. We don't stand alone. We don't stand alone. But we're surrounded by the the ministering angels of the Lord of hosts. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for that impartation of the Holy Spirit, God. Father, let it rise up on the inside of us, a spirit of revival, a mantling for revival, God. Father, let these young ones be filled with the Holy Ghost from a young age. And, Lord, I pray for Mama that you give her, Lord, wisdom, wisdom and authority as she raises them, an authority that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father, for these young ones. Oh, Rabba Koreshi, Lukura, Gile, Koroshi, Katayokra. Rondaraki. Father, for the sake of this generation, I pray for the mantling of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let revival come right now, not 10 years from now, Lord. Right now, right now. Let him rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Could you just lift your hands one more time? Just one more time. Would you say, I receive that? I receive it, Holy Spirit. I receive it. Come on, worship him. Worship Jesus. I receive that mantling. 